Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That with me, Josh Hallam. And me, Alice Oliver. This is the podcast where we talk about films that we think are underrated, underappreciated, or we just wanted to talk about them. We're also going to get stuck into some classic films that one of us maybe hasn't seen and maybe throw in some great guests along the way. So, we start, as we do every week, with a completely random question. Alice, um, what is your favourite colour? Oh, basic, Josh. I like yeah. it. Keeping it Have I run out of today. ideas? Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? De- I mean, definitely definitely blue. I'll always say blue. Um, I think I've told you this before. Massive Sonic the Hedgehog fan. I just like blue in general. Like, if I'm, if I'm picking out clothes, if I'm picking out a dress or whatever, I'd pick blue. It doesn't go too badly with the fact I'm ginger as well. Sometimes a green also suits, but I like purples too. I think the sort of sky colours, you know, when you get a real mad sunset or a mad sunrise, so you've got like the blues, the purples and the oranges. Yeah, but you know, I mean, colours in general, man, pretty beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> What's your yeah. one? Um, what is my favorite color? Uh, blue is good, like, but mm-hmm. I'd probably say purple. Yeah, I really do like, you like purple. purple. Mm, big mm. Prince fan, like, that's purple. Big, oh, yeah, big like, Batman fan, Joker, purple. Yeah, um, so like a, a darker, like a more sort of dairy milk kind of purple. Yeah, 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 that sort of regal color. Mm. Well, yeah. we we recently actually bought purple curtains, and I can confirm I do feel very regal around are they for the windows or to go around a four poster bed. Oh no, just for the windows, <laughs> just for the windows. but one day I got my eye on that tasty four poster. One day. <laughs> so uh, we're going to move on to talking about this week's film, uh, which is Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping. Uh, and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna plant the same blanket rule I have in the past. I'm not calling it that all the way through. I can't be bothered. Okay, it's <laughs> called Popstar Never Stop Stopping. I'm gonna be calling it Popstar. Um, Alice, you pick this one. So um, give us a little background on what's it about and why did you pick it. 
So the film is about the band The Style Boys, who are played by the Lonely Island guys. So it's mockumentary style. So we follow the journey of The Style Boys. They go through a bit of a rough patch where Lawrence, who's one of the members, he sort of feels a bit disgruntled that he's not getting the same amount of credit as the main man Connor is. So he leaves the band. So then it leaves Connor to sort of go off and do a solo career, but also with the, one of the other members, Owen, um, as his DJ. So it sort of follows them on their journey trying to make it, but then they have a falling out as well and Owen leaves him. So then he's left to sort of write all the songs and put all the songs together and it's a massive flop. So his album fails, people start turning on him and it's kind of about his sort of fall from grace after being this huge, huge superstar to then people just kind of not wanting to know what he is. But then he and his mates make up towards the end and they all live happily ever after. So it's that kind of turmoil, you know, how we see it, that how bands go through, you know, the breakup and then the makeup and then they do the comeback album and it sells even more than even before. So it's just kind of following all that, but still like with this mockumentary um, style, but just really, really funny. Great bit of sort of satire and a great commentary on the music industry and on celebrity and stardom itself, really. Um, the reason I picked it was because I just absolutely love this film. I love The Lonely Island so much. I think they're so talented and so funny. Some of their songs are just absolutely brilliant. And I like to think about how the heck they came up with them, like just the craziest concepts that they've just put music to. And they just always put so much effort into their songs. I feel like the lyrics are great. The music is great. The videos are always great. And I just really wanted to talk about it in a, in a critical kind of way. Uh, just to see kind of what it does have have to offer in that way instead of just kind of being instead of just kind of being a big you know comedy a big funny sort of laugh for everyone um had you seen this one before josh yeah um i had seen this one before i've seen this seen this a, a couple of times yeah and um yeah you'd be pleased to know i'm a big fan of the film as well um i do think it's really really funny and i am a bit quite a big fan of the um of the lonely island as well it's funny with um because i'm not a massive fan of um musical comedy i i often find it's the sort of thing that that people who like it will will show you and you know that thing when someone shows you a youtube video and you have to sort of go oh yeah like, oh yeah and it's like oh it's not really to my taste and i don't know why it is i don't know why it's why it's not to my taste it just is and i often find when have you ever been at like a, someone's house or you 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 know you're at like a sort of a gathering a house party whatever you want to call it back, back when you could have those um, yeah, man, remember yeah. the last parties? <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> yeah, back in the halcyon days of 18 months ago. Um, <laughs> but it's the sort of thing where you'd be, you'd be playing some music and as the night goes on, and you know when the sort of music it moves from the house, that the, the person, the host's playlist into a free-for-all and people are just going, put this on, put this on, put this on. I always found that like when someone puts a funny song on or a supposedly funny song, proper like takes me out of it and makes me go, oh. and then he's he sort of sit there for three or four minutes going, <laughs> yeah, yeah, can we can we like can we put some some good some songs back on right now? But the Lonely Island are they're a bit different for me. Like they're not the same as like I don't know. I think I think what it is about them is that they present their music to you seriously. So because it is all comedy songs, but they do it in such a way that's like it, it, it's as if they're taking it seriously and it's as if they're actually singing about, you know, dick in a box or I just had sex or I'm on a boat or, or, or Jack Sparrow or anything like that. And because of that, 
because they play it so straight, I think that's why it's a bit funnier. And I think that very much transcends um, and it's translated into this. But also with them as well, it's like the lyrics that they choose and the, and the sort of themes of their songs are so much what kind of boy bands, what sort of solo male artists mm. are singing about. Like so often they are just singing about how sexy a woman is or having sex with a woman, but they just make it so literal. And then it it just, it makes kind of the whole industry and that whole side of the industry laughable. And you just kind of see it from a different point of view. But yeah, funny you should bring up the YouTube thing because I discovered Lonely Island. Uh, my best mate at the time, uh, we were about 14 or 15. She was like, listen, I've got to show you this. And she showed me jizz in my pants. Oh and yeah. I, yeah. I was, it was just instant. I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. And obviously like not super familiar, even like with YouTube and stuff by then, like obviously online video content wasn't huge at the time. And I saw that and I just thought it was brilliant. And then she bought the album and we used to drive around and, and we'd listen to it. Hang on, drive around. So we must've been at least 17. So obviously a bit older. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I think it was 14. And it's like, we, oh, used to illegally, we used to illegally drive a car. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, must have been 17. Um, but yeah, and that was it then. And I just loved it. And then you do a deep dive on them and you listen to more and more of their stuff. And it all just absolutely bangs. Like for me, they don't have a bad one at all. And this film is no exception. Like every single song I think is brilliant. Every song has so many different layers musically. Like there's, they're just not lazy at all with what they do. Like you can tell that there's so much production value in it and that so much effort has gone into the lyrics. And with this film, I felt like that was felt throughout. So you get so many moments that are on screen for like two or three seconds, just like snippets of things. Like they'll be on location somewhere doing a bit or, you know, they'd have set up an interview with someone and there's so much of that, so much of this scene building that is then only on camera for two or three seconds. And it's like the effort that's gone into that, like these extreme costume changes, getting in all the cast to do it, do all the kind of set design that's gone into it. You, you, I just, it, there's so much work gone into it. And I just really, really appreciate that. And I feel like that means that you should take it seriously as a film and you shouldn't just fob it off. The one thing I should say as well at the top of this, and I don't know if we've spoken about this before, but I do love music video. Like music video is one of my favorite forms of storytelling. Like I used to just watch music videos for hours and hours on YouTube. So I appreciate that this is like a massive music video. And that's probably one of the reasons why I like it as well. Um, but yeah, brilliant. Some of the... Um, like some of the lore of the world and like the world building is really in depth. Like, so you've got the, got Connor for Real's manager um, who was in a band called Tony, Tony, Tony and Tony. And then that's a whole thing as well. And you see all the different Tonys and you kind of see them when they were in their heyday and you get all that construction too. And Connor's got this pet turtle that was given to him when he was a child and he's got this really strong connection with his pet turtle. And there's just so many of these things going on throughout it that just give the world so much depth in this really just kind of silly and funny film as well it's just really interesting um I'll, I'll i'll slow down now what were some of your favorite things about it it's funny you mentioned the thing about tony 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 so i didn't know oh, this so until funny. until i watched until i read about it i think that they're a real band so <gasps> really? i think they're called tony 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 and the joke is he was the fourth tony and he wanted it to be right. tony question mark and it's like With tony question mark Tony, 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 Tony. Like, Tony? <laughs> so just not, that little detail. Yeah, oh, so but the stuff like that, you're right, with like with the little details and the set changes and the fact that it's like, 
Well, it's, it's back to sort of what I was saying, which is everything is presented to you like it's real. So it's not, it, it's doing what all good satires do, which is just showing you a mirror image. And by playing it straight, a lot of comedies do a thing where they, they're constantly doing a wink and a nod to the camera and sort of almost basking in how clever they think they are. And that that works in some senses. But I think with mockumentary, I think it's really easy to do that and, and make a film that's like, God, what the fuck is this? Like, whereas this, because it presents it to you like it is real and like you then can't help but draw parallels to to things like Never Say Never and the One Direction film and, and all these other sort of really sycophantic fan films and stuff. But so it, it's more akin to something like because of the way it's made, it reminded me a lot of like Spinal Tap. That's why. And, and, and other and, and yeah, other yeah. Christopher Guest films, obviously, like Best in Show or For Your Consideration, but but the obvious one is Spinal Tap with it with it being music. But no, I, I, I love the I love the observation of like cele celebrity culture. So I love the fact that it's it's a mockumentary that is mocking mockumentaries and mocking documentaries and sort of really having a really a real piss take look at the like the shallow and materialistic nature of this sort of you know, this sort of film, you know, when you see them and they're following them around and everyone is constantly up the celebrities' arse and it's and it's poking fun at these more modern celebrities, you know, who they share everything. Like and and things like he's gonna propose to his girlfriend, so they put it on TV, or he documents everything he does, so it shows him having it it shows him telling his friends on his fans on Snapchat that he's just had a wank and like yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Like, hey guys, just yeah. jerked off, feeling yeah. pretty mellow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And it's like that's not a hundred miles away from what actually happens and you see these people like i'm not gonna like have a pop at anyone in particular but take as an example because of the first ones that come to mind the kardashians right mm -hmm. they share absolutely everything and it's just not it's like fame for fame's sake isn't it and 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 it's um it's interesting and they also do that thing where like it shows him pranking people but what he's actually doing is pranking people who work for him who can't retaliate mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it's like they do stuff like they like you know push people over or, or like whatever and you hear these you hear these stories don't you about celebrities and it's like oh there's such a joker on tour or such a joker on set and it's like no they're not they're a prick like yeah. they're mistreating their staff <laughs> and their staff just have to take it it's like this isn't this isn't jackass where everyone's doing it to each other it's you know it's you doing like just being a prick and they can't retaliate so i thought that was interesting i mean it's really really well paced as well so it's it's not it's you know it's, it's not even an hour and a half i don't think is it it's like an hour and 27 something like that yeah like literally just under the 130 mark yeah yeah and then so it's really so within five minutes you're shown the background on everything you need to know from the style boys through to the splitting up through to everything you said when you're talking about the plot that's within five minutes. Then you've get, got all these cameos from people in the music business who are, who are talking to the camera. I mean, some of the people that they not only get to be in this, but also send themselves up. Like you've got Ringo Starr, Usher, Simon Cowell, Pink, Seal. Um, even like... Let's I think not that, forget Mariah Carey. I was, was going to just... Mariah was, Carey. Yeah, the bravest. Snoop Dogg. Snoop like, Dogg. When you think, when I'm thinking, so I'm thinking like Snoop Dogg, Mariah Carey, Fifty Cent. You don't get bigger than that, right? No, that's you don't. the peak. <laughs> but 
not only do they get Mariah Carey, but they get her to send herself up. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know Mariah Carey. I probably will never meet Mariah Carey. But from what I've heard, she is not someone who I would take the piss out of lightly. So to get get her to do the thing where she takes the piss and like has a go at him and stuff on uh, at the award ceremony. I mean, they must really have sold them something there. Like t- I suppose it's a credit to how how well respected the, the Lonely Island and the, the Lonely Island are in the industry. Um, I think so. Sorry, I just want to touch on that. But I've I've always thought that I've always felt like they do have the respect of their fellow comedians and of their fellow artists because it's it feels like everyone wants to get involved and I hope it's not just a cash thing and I don't want to be cynical and it's like oh well they're making banks so we better hop on this as well I'd like to think it's because when they burst out like it did feel fresh like obviously we had you know um we've got uh p- parodies and stuff before and we had like comedy songs and stuff but I just felt like we'd never seen it to this level and I felt like that they just got everyone's respect for that. Obviously, we don't, you know, I don't know that for certain. I don't know what they've had to go through kind of in the industry and kind of coming up in that. But that's always the impression I get, especially, like you say, when you see people like Mariah Carey, like Simon Cowell getting involved, and, and Ringo Starr. Ringo a, bloody Starr. He's a freaking beetle. Like, that's insane, right? I think I think it helps that they very much have the backing of um, Saturday Night Live. Yeah. So I think because yeah. Andy Sambo is, I don't know if he's still on there, but he was on SNL, that's such a massive draw for people. But they very much then went off and did their own thing and are famous in their own right. There are plenty of people who won't know, especially outside of the States, that they are that Andy Sandberg is SNL. But then they also do a really good thing of, they they mix they mix cameos with real people, with comedy actors. So like as well as all the people we've mentioned, you've got like Sarah Silverman, Bill Hader, Maya Rudolph, um, Tim Meadows is another one who is the, who's the manager. He is one of these actors who's always showing up. He was he was another one who was on SNL for many many years. He does a lot of this sort of comedy. He's in like loads and loads of sitcoms. He's in Mean Girls. He's in loads of stuff like that. I mean, and then they even get like Imogen Poots to play um, his girlfriend, and then they get Emma Stone to do like a thirty second cameo. Who who and and it's like you don't even I've forgotten she was in it. I've seen this film a few times. I watched it. I was like, oh yeah, I got Emma Stone was in this as as um like sort of like a pop star that he does that he does his breakout song with, isn't it? But so they blur the lines between that their cameos and the real people, and I quite like that. But it's easy to get that wrong and have someone like Sarah Silverman coming on and having people go, you know, it is. Is she playing a character or is she cameoing as herself? But they get it so clear because it's a mockumentary. It's really quite, it's set out in stone, isn't it? Like this is who this is because it's at the bottom of the screen and this is what they do. And because they're so clear and because it's so well written and the, the little, the, the dialogue is so well crafted in terms of the way that they talk about the characters. There's no doubt in that. And and that in itself, I mean, I don't know how much of it is scripted and how much of it is, imp- of it is improvised, but it's, I think it's, re- it's just, it's so funny. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, and so so sort of true to that kind of documentary um, style of making a film, and and they use all the different techniques. So you've got like the interviews, you've got sort of like the candid camera, the kind of following them around when they're on tour and doing their shows and stuff. But then you've also got like um, like this. That I can't remember what they're talking about. They're talking about how Connor Farrell's album is flopping. He and his manager, um, one of the Tonys, and they, like a. 
they see a bee or something and like a, yeah. a bee, a nest of bees starts attacking them or killer bees or whatever. But the, the guys have like had to turn the camera off because they were asked to turn the camera off and stuff. But you get like the text on screen kind of, um, you know, it's written what they're saying and stuff. And you just get all these different methods of storytelling. And I think, like you said, that sort of helps with the pacing of it. You never feel like you're just watching one thing for too long. Like there's a film on Netflix at the moment. Um, it's it's called it's an Ariana Grande documentary and it's listed as a documentary but it's pretty much just her performing live now I wouldn't call that a documentary that's a live performance because you're not really getting to know her she's not saying much to me a documentary is where you're getting to know them personally right and you're sort of really getting into their life but that's not what that is at all but with this you just get all the different things that you could possibly want um, and it just it just works so brilliantly and you just feel like you feel you can see how people sort of get so connected to these celebrities, I suppose, when you do kind of do a deep dive into their life or whatever. But um, yeah, just so just so, so brilliant. But that's another thing they do, isn't it, is they take the format of a mockumentary and they take the, they subvert it and take the piss out of it. So whenever there is a mockumentary, sorry, a documentary about a musician or a celebrity or even like um a sports star or something like that, there is always a moment where they get emotional and they go, turn the camera off, turn the camera off. And it is a bit like, well, you <laughs> you want a documentary to be made. So it's so staged. Sometimes it's so staged this turn the camera off, turn the camera off. And I know they're real people with real emotions, but you just get the impression that it's like, if you don't want them to film you, maybe like walk away or something i don't i don't it's just funny that they're always captured so perfectly when they're having these breakdowns and it's like don't film me don't film me so then what happens in this is like you say is they start they, he's upset because his album's tanking so he tells him to turn the camera off and then the best thing in the whole world happens and it's like he's got like a flamethrower and he's killing some bees and yeah. then it ends with them going tell me tell me you got that on tape tell me you got that on tape and it's like no you told me to turn the camera off so it's subverting that image isn't it it's subverting that that expectation that that there is always a moment where where the main subject of the documentary has a breakdown i suppose so often as well it is kind of it's it's a bit of a false intimacy isn't it because as soon as you say you no know, i'll oh, put the camera you know to the camera off put the camera down or whatever it's like oh so what you've been showing us so far isn't the real you and you're not exposing yourself but now because you think you might be being exposed you want the camera to go off and it's like well yeah, that isn't what a documentary is supposed to be, but it does just feel like like the authenticity of documentaries is always in question, isn't it? Like, because how do you know? How are we ever going to know what's true and what isn't? It's I, I, Absolutely. And also it's that some documentaries aren't necessarily like that, but you often find these ones that are so sycophantic and are essentially a mixture of like, like you say performance footage and a bit of their background. And what they're essentially doing is they're taking like, you're taking, you know, Ariana Grande or Justin Bieber and they're they're making a documentary that's entirely aimed at their fans so they don't really want to see a warts and all documentary so you watch it and you sort of if you're not a fan of that person you watch it going what is the point of this like all you're doing is reinforcing their love of that person which okay maybe that is the point but the best documentaries are things like Amy or Senna um or even I know I or Maradona, which I know about the, th the three documentaries by the same guy, but they take their subject and they and they show you every side of them, which is which is way more interesting, especially when you're dealing with a flawed person, which everybody in my mind is because nobody's perfect. 
But then fans don't want to see Justin Bieber, you know, I don't know, trashing his hotel room or whatever. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Yeah, as well, because his fans are, you know, tend to be younger, younger ladies anyway, don't they? So maybe yeah. they just... There's um... a, there's a couple of... Um, and, and I think that that is the main comparison that that film, that this film gets around the time is Never Say Never, which is the Justin Bieber one, because he does stuff in it that is very similar to Justin Bieber. And I know, I think he's come out, I think the only hand have come out and been like, it's not, it's not a dig at Justin Bieber, but... There is, you know, he's got a turtle all the way through it and Justin Bieber's got a monkey. And um, he literally goes to Anne Frank's house in Amsterdam, which Justin Bieber obviously had the, the infamous moment where he went and said that he, he thinks she would have been a believer, which is just a bit tone deaf, isn't it? That's an example of how these people are in such a bubble that they, they don't really consider what is and isn't an acceptable thing. Yeah, and it's not and it's not a dig at him, is it? It's a dig at the industry. And yeah. It's a dig about the people and and the things that allow this to happen because it's not it's not a good way to live. Like to no. have such extreme fame when you're so young, to not have any privacy, and obviously he's like so his album tanks. Connors does, and he feels completely lost and just like he he can't believe what's happening, and he goes into like this awful despair. He feels like his friends have abandoned him, obviously because they can't deal with the way he is anymore, and that he's just surrounded by these yes men, yeah. and obviously he finds that unsatisfying. And the the resolution for him at the end is when the band gets back together, and that's where he finds his happiness because obviously being around them is probably the most important thing to him. Um, but it's interesting with the... So we've got 
we've got Jay from the Inbetweeners yeah, yeah, <laughs> as yeah. one of his one of his dudes. And there's another fella as well. And they're sat in Connor's house, aren't they? And he makes them <laughs> cookies. He makes them cookies with dog poo in them because he wants to see who's going to tell him the truth. Who's going to tell him that these cookies taste like shit? And obviously his two like assistants or whatever, like, oh yeah, these are great. These are delicious. But Owen is like, oh man, these are disgusting. These taste like shit. And he's like, Owen. I knew it would be you or whatever. <laughs> but it's like, it's like the, the thing with that is that the industry breeds people like that. So if the people around you think that they're going to get fired or that they're going to get in trouble because they don't tell you exactly what you want to hear, then they are really going to tell you what they want to hear. The industry is fragile. You could fuck up one day and not have a job the next and then you've got no income and then you're, you know, you're losing your house or whatever. So it makes sense that they would be like that. And especially sort of seeing how temperamental and I guess explosive Connor can be, you would want to say yes and say that, yes, these cookies are delicious because I don't want to lose my job. So it's no one's fault. And it's like the thing with, you know, with Justin Bieber, it's like, it it's not Justin Bieber's fault that he is the way he is. He is a product. Like he's been famous since he was about 12 years old. That's insane. And not just a bit famous, like a global superstar. Yeah. That's going to do weird things to you. It's, and it's, I feel like this just does a good job at kind of showing you those weird things. And that's why it's a good satire, isn't it? Like you say, it isn't to a, to a certain, as I suppose, to a certain degree, it isn't Justin Bieber's fault. Like you say, he's been famous since he was a little boy. He's been massively globally famous. So he's never, almost never been able to not have what he wanted. Like he's been able to get, you know, he's had masses amounts of staff that you can go get me this. And you do hear that, not Justin Bieber, you know, I remember hearing an interview with someone who talked about they met someone who used to work for Prince. Um, now, I'm a massive, massive Prince fan, but it's no secret that he was an absolute nightmare at times to to be around, to work with. You know, I, I remember, I think it was um, his, his personal assistant was speaking to, I think it was Kevin Smith. And um, she said, like, he'd ring her at like three o'clock in the morning and be like, oh, I need a camel. <laughs> and she'd be like, where do you want me to get a camel from? And he's so in this bubble where where he can he, he he has this almost unhealthy levels of not being able to have what he wants that no one says no. So he does get a camel because he's got almost infinite amount of money and people around him who will do that for him. And that's what this is, you know, that's why this is funny. That's why this is pointing. It's almost like you say, it's pointing the finger, it's satirical. And that's again, that's why it's funny because some of the stuff he does is so ridiculous but isn't isn't that far from the truth you know there's a big thing a big plot point in it because he signs a deal with an electronic company and they play his album whenever like you open the fridge or you put the washing machine on or whatever and there's this massive backlash because loads of people are going i didn't want that in my fridge but that is exactly almost to it you know this is obviously a, a exaggerated version but that's what you two did you know, you two put an album on everyone's iPhones and iPods and every, like there was this massive backlash of people going, I didn't want this. I didn't want this on my phone. You've used my data. You know, all it did was, yeah, they got masses and masses of press attention. So perhaps it worked in that sense, but it just, it just became this joke that, <laughs> that you two gave everyone, an, gave everyone an album that they didn't want. So I do want to talk about the songs a little bit. Oh. So obviously we start with Humble, which is, <laughs> is just... So 
It's just brilliant. It's just, it's a brilliant song. The fact that Adam Levine is there, who is like one of the least humble people in pop at the moment, I would say. That's hilarious. Sorry, he's there in hologram form. And I feel like the fact that we start with that song, it does just set everything up so brilliantly, doesn't it? It's just kind of like, and then it's just, it just never stops from there. Like it's just belter after belter and they all just kind of tell a different story. So you've got, um, I think it's called Finest Girl, but obviously it's all <laughs> about Laden. fuck Bin Laden. I want you to <laughs> fuck me like we fucked Bin Laden. And obviously then he he gets all the troops out on stage and they've got these huge American flags kind of draped all over the place. And it's kind of, you know, just sort of really very... So the impression that we get, obviously, of um, Americans through, you know, mostly film and TV is that they are sort of very yay troops mm. kind of yay yeah. war pa- patriotic kind of not afraid. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and i feel like that just does a really good job of depicting that sort of thing and then you've got pink the song that goes with pink <laughs> that's about, my favorite um, yeah well i'm not gay but if i was i would want equal rights and all this and it's like it's just you do get this thing sometimes with pop stars where they are very, you know, oh, I'm an ally and I am pro-gay and, you know, love who you love, but I'm not gay. I'm definitely not gay. Please don't think I'm gay. And it's like, well, does, first of all, it doesn't matter. Like, it shouldn't matter whether you're gay or not. No yeah. one should care if you're gay. That's your business. So it's just a kind of showing how celebrities will just kind of jump on the back of something and be like, oh, this is the cause that's happening right now. So it's like, oh yeah, I support gay people. I support Mm. gay marriage, but I'm not gay and I'm definitely not gay and I'm going to sing I'm not gay over and over and over again. And of course, incredible thoughts at the end. (laughs) Just brilliant. So obviously Michael Bolton, like I wasn't super familiar with Michael Bolton until I saw Jack Sparrow. And that again is just hilarious and the video is brilliant and i just i just like to sit there and think what what was the meeting like when they did that it's like all right we're gonna do a song about a guy who's obsessed with the pirates of the caribbean films and it's i just i would love to see these cogs in motion and see the kind of process that they go through so they've got so lawrence who has been living um, he's like stepped away from the spotlight. He's been living as a farmer. Like he, you know, he's kind of left that whole scene behind, but he's been keeping a diary of all these incredible thoughts he's been having. So things like a child bites into an apple, but the core is wrapped in and just, you know, <laughs> loads of things that are like supposed to be, you know, I guess like existential like, yeah. and kind of like Poignant, poetic. like really poignant thoughts. Yeah, and they all think that they're brilliant, obviously. And then you just get these like brilliant sort of power ballad moments from Michael Bolton, who's on stage singing to him and he's playing the piano and stuff. And the song ends with him just saying, my brain is a genius. And it just floors me every single time. I have seen this film a few times now and I watched it twice in preparation for this, not because I needed to, but just because I love it so much. And it just... Oh, the songs are just brilliant and they're all brilliant and none of them suck. They're fantastic. <laughs> the songs are fantastic. I think it's back to what we were saying before, which is they're one of the reasons one of the reasons they're funny is they sound like real songs. Like a yeah. lot of comedy songs are sort of like someone just doing poetry to a bit of music like this. Do you know what I mean? But or re- like Weird Al. Or Weird Al, like, yeah, making puns yeah. on stuff. And that's fine. But I think this is a sort of a step up in terms of they, they are like real songs. Like not only are they, I mean, it's not really my taste in music, but you can see like these would be hits it, musically, I guess. So like Equal Rights, obviously it's taking the piss because a lot of rappers and singers do that song of like, 
I'm politically aware, like you say, I, like that. I'm not. I'm not gay, but you know, if I was, you know, I'd, I'd want equal rights. Like, it's not a question. You should want those. You don't. It's like the Black Eyed Peas. You know, the Black Eyed Peas come out and their first big hit single is "Where Is the Love," and everyone's got, yeah, okay, big a politically aware band. Oh, <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah, talking about how there's war. Yeah, that's good. Next song, "My Humps." You know, literally a song that's like, yeah. "Look at my, yeah. look at my tits." It's just bollocks. Like. <laughs> like i'm politically aware but i'll make sure i'm seeing being politically aware it's yeah. just it's crazy like equal the bin laden one just, that's another one that you say they all love the troops equal rights um but the equal rights one not the equal rights one sorry uh humble that for like that's the most that's the song that sounds most like a hit song oh undoubtedly undoubtedly because the, the way it starts was um with Owen goes obviously yep 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 yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and there's just so many there's so many details to it that just and like he goes it's Kana and like it just the whole thing is like if if you just heard that on the radio if you didn't see it in the context of that film you would just think it was a tune yeah. right of all it, of them it, yeah yeah of all like yeah. equal rights I think if I heard equal rights or the Bin Laden one you'd be going what's going on here. Yeah. Where yeah, is that more. one? I'm so humble. It literally, it could be, it could be like a, a like a, a pitbull song or something. Yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. And I think it's just such a great, uh, just such a brilliant opening to the film as well. I know we get like a few scenes before that. I think you get some of like the home movies of the of Lonely Island or um, the Star Boys when they were kids and stuff. But then that is like the introduction to the film and that is when the credits sort of start coming up and stuff. And it's just bam onto it and and you just get such an idea of kind of what it's all about and an idea about Connor. And with the thing with all the song scenes as well and all the live performances is the, there's just crowds and crowds of people. There's so much going on on stage. There's so much to do with like the lighting, with the, the stage design. You've got dancers. You've got dancers for days. And again, just... So much effort, just so much effort gone into this song. I feel like that these guys, they just won't do anything by halves. Like if they look at something and think this isn't good enough, we will redo this. And I just really get that impression from them in like everything they do. And I think that's definitely part of the reason why I love them so much. So we'll move on to talking about uh, things we didn't like then, although I don't, don't think this will be a short section. Um, have you got anything? Literally nothing, Josh. I love this film. I don't want to. I don't want to go as far as saying it's the perfect film, but for me, for me, there is just something about it. And like I said, I I love music video anyway, and so it really kind of satisfies that part of me. And it's just great, and it's funny, and it's musical, and it looks gorgeous, and. I just, I think it's boss. I think it's ace. No, I've literally got nothing that I don't like about it. What about you? Was there anything? Um, no, I, I, <laughs> I tr I'm sure there probably is something. If I, if I, I'd have to watch it again and try and find something. But I always try and find at least something. And I don't think this is the first time this has happened. But I just can't. There's nothing that I thought was out of place. There's nothing that I thought wasn't very funny. There's not. No, like it's just a good, it's just a good comedy. That's just, a, it's just a laugh, and it's a good, well, well-made satire, I guess. I've just thought of something. Oh, go on. It's too short. It's too it's short. Too short. I would like one more hour, please. I would like a three-hour version of this film. Oh, I would. I would. I a would. Making a murderer style ten-hour series. 
where it's them for an hour for 10 hours. <laughs> that would literally be my dream. Something I have thought of, though, that it's something that I don't like in terms of Lonely Island that will say. So my, I think maybe my favorite Lonely Island song is I Run New York that they do with Billy Joe from Green Day. But there's no video for it. Uh. And I think that is an absolute travesty. I think it would make such a brilliant video. Like I can literally picture it in my head and they never did a video for it. And that's really disappointing. So your criticism of the film is something <laughs> completely it's, unrelated listen, to the it's, film. It's all I could think <laughs> of, but it is something I think about a lot because I'll put it on YouTube and it's just like a lyric video. Someone has kindly yeah. taken the time to at least upload it onto YouTube and put the lyric video, but there's no actual video to it. And I just think that would make such a boss video. I'll try and think of an unrelated point that I have a problem with. So I've got, so I've said something I don't like. I'll tell you what I don't like about this film. Uh, cauliflower cheese. I think it's shit. I don't know anyone who likes it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, good point, good point. <laughs> uh, so, we're going to talk about the critical reception in just a minute, but before we do, Alice, I believe you're going to take us on a journey. Yes, indeed, Josh. Please follow me now down the rabbit hole for this bit. We're going to call Alice down the rabbit hole. So... Let's talk about Connor's opening act, Hunter the Hungry, a.k.a. Chris Red. Born in St. Louis in the 80s, Chris dreamed of becoming a rapper after he discovered that spitting bars helped him control his stutter. After pursuing his dreams for a short while in Chicago, he quickly made a career change after discovering a love for improv comedy, which no doubt helped him bag the role as Hunter the Hungry, a character based on Tyler the Creator. Combining his two favorite things, rap and comedy, he leapt at the chance to audition for the Lonely Island Boys, and during his first round, he had the casting team, headed by the incredible Alison Jones, in absolute stitches. Chris said he found himself to be a bag of nerves on the first day of filming, but chilled out after bonding with Andy over a love of basketball. He felt mostly fine about being on set with major celebrities until Angelina Jolie walked in and he completely forgot how to speak. After the film, he auditioned for SNL, something he had done previously but was turned down, and in 2018 won a Primetime Emmy Award for outstanding original music and lyrics for writing for the NSSNL song Come Back Barack, reassuring everyone that investing in Chris was indeed a smart move. And that was Alice Down the Rabbit Rabbit hole. Angelina Jolie's not even in this, though. Is that just one of those things where she's uh, she's just visited the set? Well, this was interesting, and I was trying to find this out because I couldn't find any record of Angelina Jolie being in it. But I wonder because there's a lot of scenes sort of towards the end where you get like audience shots, right? Where they're at, they're at an award show. I don't know if it is like the Grammys or whatever it is, but you get loads of audience shots, don't you? And mm. there's like massively famous people in the audience. So I don't know if she was in one of them, but I don't remember her being there. So I don't know if she was just hanging out or what, or if she was like mates with someone who was there. Yeah, because when I was watching, I was watching the end, where, like when they're performing at the, well, it's the made up Poppy Awards, isn't it? Well, I think, Is it the Poppies? They're, they're, yeah. They are made up, right? Because it's meant to be like the Grammys, isn't it? I think it's made up. Yeah. It sounds pretty made up. Um, but I, I couldn't. I got the impression I couldn't figure it out that if that audience footage was just taken from a real, a real gig or whatever. But or maybe it's like a Daniel Craig in Star Wars type situation where she is in it. She just isn't credited or whatever. Maybe, but I, I thought that what you just said as well that that was archive footage mm. because of the because of the amount of famous people all in one place. Because I think in that bit, you get like Paul McCartney, I think Chrissy Teigen and John Legend yeah, are there, yeah. and I think a few a few more people. But yeah, I did think it was sort of archive footage that they just edited yeah. together. But who knows, man? Because obviously those boys are connected. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? And he does that thing, like you say, where he, he, he plays it so straight, and that's why it's funny, because it's like he is real. 
but he's kind of not at the same time. Mm. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll move on to talking about the critical reception then. Um, I know that you've picked this because you just wanted to talk about it, but I'm actually quite intrigued to run the critical reception by you and 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 see what you think. So critically, how do you think this did? So, I mean, so if I was scoring it and I was thinking about this before, I was like, I, I was thinking, oh, I'd probably give it an eight. I think an eight is a good score. But the way that I've just been talking about it, I don't know if I could talk that way about many other films so I would probably give this a nine, mm. like at least, and maybe sort of creep into the low nines. And I, I wouldn't just give that for any old film. Because like, I, I don't even know if I've seen any film that I think is a 10. Like Terminator 2 is my favorite film. But is that a 10? Like even with that, I'd probably just give it a 9.8. But I don't think this did very well, you know? I don't, th and I definitely don't think the critics would like it. I feel like the critics, I feel like we've said this before about some actors I, th I think I felt I feel this way about Chris Evans like I think critics go in and they just don't expect much from Chris Evans and they're sort of prepared to mark him down or prepared to not like him and I get the feeling that the critics would feel the same way about Lonely Island because they're not they're not you know stereotypically they're not filmmakers they're they're sort of they're, you know they're sketch artists I guess but anyway what go on what did he get go on blow my head so I I think you might be Maybe a little bit surprised, actually. So on IMDb, it gets 6.7 out of 10 at the time of recording. On Rotten Tomatoes, from the audience, it gets 65%. And the critics give it 79%. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's so that... it's not often, it's not often we get a uh, the critics being sort of, near, you know, 10, 15% higher than the audience but um yeah in, wow. in this in this case at the time of recording anyway they do um so i mean you, you know look you, you just want to talk about it but i'm gonna i'm gonna say myself and, and you can you can tell me what you think of this but i think it is i think it is both underseen and i think it's underrated as well. not it's underrated by the audience so I suppose from a critical point of view 79 percent on rotten tomatoes i probably from my point of view put that about right um but i certainly think it's underseen what about you I mean, I definitely think it's underrated. So, I mean, I'm really, really surprised at what you've just told me. I've got to say, like, what, 65 from the audience? That's That really does surprise me. And the critics, as we know, can be incredibly harsh. So for them to give it a 79, I actually think from them, like, from them, that's appropriately rated. I would give it higher, personally, mm -hmm. but for the critics' point of view, considering how low a score they've given some of the films we've spoken about, I actually think that's very high. And I'm really surprised at the audience score. I'm really disappointed with the IMDb score. But yeah, I was I think I was always gonna say this was underrated, unless it was getting like in the nines or whatever. So I definitely think it's underrated. In terms of underseen, I mean, it's hard to tell really. I don't think it's one that really comes up, but I know sort of in my friend group, because the Lonely Island were a thing. And in my husband's friend group as well, it was very much so. So I think maybe just in my circles, it is quite seen. But I don't know if sort of in the general, I think if you go maybe sort of past a certain age bracket, they just won't have seen it. Like I know my parents haven't seen it and they probably will never watch it. Whereas with something like, you know, if we're going to talk about like sh things like Shawshank Redemption, like The Shining, like A Clockwork Orange, like these films that literally anybody would watch at any time because they're held up as, as you know, such classics or whatever. Um, 
But yeah, no, definitely underrated. Definitely. Oh, I'm so glad we spoke about it. I'm so glad you love it as much as I do as well, because I wasn't sure. Would have been a short episode if I didn't. So there we go. Another one for the ever-growing underrated pile and underseen. Josh, what are we going to be watching for next week? Next week, we're going to watch Minority Report. Mm, interesting. Oh, I look forward to it very much. Yeah, so um, in the meantime, if you'd like to get in touch with us, um, then it's filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. Um, we're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just search for Just Films and That. Uh, and we'll see you next week for Minority Report. Do feel too free to give it a watch and send us your thoughts. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Um, until next week, Alice, it's been nice to chat with you. Pleasure as always, Josh. Thank you very much. And it's bye from me. Bye. The biggest names in tennis are coming to Paris for the most anticipated Roland Garros in years. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. Experience three weeks of unparalleled tournament access as the world's top players in tennis face off against each other. Will the veteran champions continue their dominance or will a fresh face emerge to challenge their legacy on the clay courts? Daily live coverage of this epic showdown begins Monday, May 20th. Don't miss a matchup. Stream it now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.